Today's call to worship is Psalm 36, 7 through 10, and it can be found in your pew Bibles on page 517. How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your rivers of delight. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Continue your love to those who know you. Your righteousness is the upright, or to the upright in heart. Today's gospel reading is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, 1 through 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, if you could please turn your Bibles to John 14.6. In the Pew Bible, it's page 994. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Amen. Jesus. 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 There's just something about that name. Jesus makes all the difference in our lives. I've seen it in the lives of others. I've experienced it in my life. Jesus, at the name of Jesus, the scripture says, every knee shall bow. Every heart is healed. Every burden lifted. At the name of Jesus, every sin is forgiven. At the name of Jesus, demons flee. Jesus gives fullness of life, completeness, and is all-sufficient for our every need. Do you believe that, friends? Amen. John chapter 14, verse 6, the words of Jesus. Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. As I was reflecting upon sharing with you a message today, this is kind of a combination message. It's sort of like a stew. You put in the potatoes, you put in the carrots, you put in the peas, you put in all of the spices, and it all comes together. But at the end of the message and at the beginning is Jesus. As we look at John chapter 14, verse 6, our anchor text this morning, it really is a summary statement that Jesus is making. I am the way, the truth, and the life. In a previous message, 
that I shared with you, we talked about the way and the truth. So we're going to go right to the end and talk about the life. And we're going to go in the reverse order today. I stumbled across uh, Occam's Razor. How many of you have heard of it? Oh, several of you have. Occam's Razor, it works something like this, by way of illustration. Two men have a light bulb that's burned out, a lamp that's not working. One says, I know how to fix it. He calls his physician friend and says, I need to bring this whole appliance down to your office. And the physician says, what for? I want you to run it through the CAT scan. And I want to find out what's wrong with it to see if there's a break in the cord, to see if there's a short in the socket, to find out if there's something going on in the light bulb. And he duly takes it in and they run all those tests and it comes back, indeed, it's a broken filament inside the bulb. He promptly takes it home, screws the light bulb in. The other gentleman having the same, uh, the same experience said, hmm, I wonder what's wrong with that lamp anyway. Let me try to start with the obvious and most simple. He goes and he checks the plug in the wall. Good starting place. He unscrews the bulb, puts a new one in, and the light comes on. Now, who's doing it the right way? Occam's razor suggests that sometimes the simplest answer is the best. We can make complexity out of life, as we often do, and try to figure out how complex we can make life. And as we think about our spiritual life, we can do the same thing. I'd like to suggest to you today that as we come to Jesus, as we reflect on Jesus today, that he fills our every need, and it is the starting point and the basis and the foundation to the fullest life possible. Do you believe that, friends? Far better than my words this morning to illustrate the very foundational teaching of Christ in John chapter 14, uh, verse 6, are the words of Jesus. So let's go back in 142 words of Christ himself as he preached what we often considered the Sermon on the Mount and the blessings. I'd invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 this morning. We're going to look at several characteristics that are found in our lives as we have an experience with Jesus that will make our lives balanced that will help us to grow spiritually, that will round out our lives if we find these characteristics in our lives. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. The King James Version reads, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first characteristic is one of humility. One of humility as we come before the Lord. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Doesn't mean those who are suffering or, or uh, having a hard time spiritually, but blessed are those who are poor in their spiritual sense, that they struggle with life, that they are, have an attitude of humility as they come to Jesus, as they face life. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Luke chapter, uh, jot the reference down, you can read it uh, later this afternoon. Luke chapter 18, verses 10 through 14 is an illustration of this. Two men came into the temple. One of Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee said to himself, O Lord, as I come to you, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like the tax collector right over there. I come to you and I give my tithes. I do everything that I need to. I'm not like the crook over there, the tax collector. 
who is taking more than what he should every opportunity. I thank you. I fast twice a week, and I do everything that I know I should. The tax collector on the other side of the sanctuary came into the same house of God. Without lifting his, lifting his head, realizing his sinfulness, he lowered his head and said, Jesus, please forgive me, wherein I sinned against you. And the scripture says, which of those two went away with their sins forgiven? The tax collector. As we come to Jesus, he's telling us if we're going to have a healthy relationship with him, it's not about us. It's about him. It's about opening our hearts and realizing that we are sinners. We've, we have shattered our relationship with God. Psalm 51 verse 17, David says, I've learned God worship when my pride was shattered. My heart was shattered. Lives ready for love don't for a moment escape God's notice. Jesus is teaching his people that at the center and the core of a relationship with Jesus is an attitude of humility, a characteristic of humility. But he doesn't leave us there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, is a second characteristic. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be what? Comforted. I love this verse. We often apply it, we think, when we are in time of loss and mourning, with a loss of a loved one, a sick, uh, somebody who's sick in the family with the stressors that come to life. But the deeper meaning of this passage is, blessed are those who mourn for their spiritual condition. For more grievous than that which we will suffer here is the loss of the relationship with Christ throughout eternity. As we look at our relationship with God, we can see that we have, as David has cried out, God, you're the one I violated in Psalm 51 verse 4 in the Message Bible. And you've seen it all. You've seen the full extent of my evil. You have all the facts before you. Whatever you decide about me is fair because I trust in you. When we have sin, friends, let's not try to gloss it over. Let's come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I sinned against you. I transgressed against uh, my spouse, my coworker, somebody in the church, my neighbor, my friend. But it's a violation of my relationship with you as I have violated somebody else. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is what? Faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Moving from humility, moving to repentance, and strengthening that relationship with God. 142 words, Christ is sharing with us his character in his message. The third characteristic, as we have a relationship with Christ, is that we must take on a characteristic of teachability. Teachability. To be able to learn from the Master. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, those who have learned to come to Jesus. Oh, friends, I don't know how it is with you. That aspect of teachability, 
I'd rather learn from somebody. I've lived long enough that I'd rather learn from somebody else's mistake, someone else's mistake, than go down that path and learn it firsthand. How about you? But I also know that inside of my characteristic, the way that I'm wired, sometimes I think I have life all figured out. And if you don't believe so, you visit with my wife after the service. <laughs> She'll let you know it springs up more often than that than not. But as I've, as I've grown through life, I've had to say, Father, what is it you want me to learn today? How is it you want to go about this? And he brings into my life people who have different worldviews than I have. And I say, Lord, what is this about this exchange and this relationship? I don't believe there are accidental uh, meetings in life. I believe they are led by God. When somebody comes into my life that has radically different views than I do, I have to just take a deep breath and say, Lord, what is it that you're trying to teach me? And I have to say, wait a minute. Have I always understood things in the fullest aspect? A meekness to learn from Jesus as he speaks to us through others. Jesus himself said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and what? Lowly in heart. Matthew chapter 11 verse 29. We know that Jesus was meek and lowly in heart and at the same time he could cleanse the temple and drive out those who were walking in ways that he did not approve of in ways of righteousness. So we find that one of the characteristics Jesus is talking about here, if we're, going to, if we're going to be walking in the fullness of life of Jesus, we will have that characteristic of teachability. Now, would you rather be a teacher or a learner? Hmm. Depends upon who's doing the teaching and who's doing the learning. When we come... Uh, when we come to the feet of Jesus, when we spend time with him, I'd rather be the learner than the teacher. How about you, friends? So we find that one of the characteristics that Christ is trying to teach us to put into our lives is that ability to come humbly and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to learn? I have an open heart. The next characteristic found in the words of Jesus as he was preaching Simple 142 words is we need to have a characteristic or an attitude of righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? They will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We live in a world today that considers righteousness as an option among all the different pathways of life. But Jesus, Jesus makes it clear that if you're desiring the things of God, if you come to him and say, Lord, what is it in my life that I need your help with, your spirit to show me, as I want to be more like you, blessed are you when you are hungry and thirsting after righteousness, for you will be what? You'd be filled. Have you ever, have you ever run across, uh, come across somebody who says, you know, I'd like to be a Christian, except, boom, boom, boom. And you say, friends, have you ever considered walking in the ways of God? Oh, I'd love to, but that would mean I'd have to find a different set of friends. Hmm, how does that work? Better a different set of friends than lose your friend to Jesus? How does that work? 
The ways of the world are over here, and the ways of Jesus are over here. I don't know if I'm going to change my ways. That's asking a lot. And you take them right to the feet of Jesus, and you set them right before the fountain of life. And they're so close, and you just want to immerse them in Jesus so that they might experience what you've experienced, and you see them. See them harden their hearts. Have you seen that, friends? Have you shared it with others? And you say, Lord, how is it? How is it? How is it I can get them to drink from the wellspring of life? Try a little salt. Try a little salt. You know what I'm talking about? You want a horse to drink? You lead them, the old saying, you lead a horse to water, but you can't make them what? You can't make them drink unless you have a block of salt. Put the block of salt out there. Let it be your testimony. Let it be your experience. Share with them the way that God has blessed you, how He's filled your life. There will be something in them as God's Spirit works, as you share your testimony. They'll say, wait a minute, this person has something that I want. I want that relationship with Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, Jesus says. Not only filled, but filled, pressed down, and overflowing. Moses says in Deuteronomy, Declare thy greatness, O Lord, the rock. His work is perfect. His ways are entirely just, a faithful God. Without prejudice, he is righteous and true. The next characteristic as Jesus is teaching about his life and the fullness of life, when we consider what it means to have a life in Christ, is we need to have an attitude of mercy. Blessed are the merciful, because they will be shown what? Mercy. Mercy. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Have you ever been in a tight pinch when you know you've done something wrong and you have to go to the person, or somebody's come to you and said, you know what you did was was just totally out of line. Now, it may have been when you were... Uh, when you were in your nuclear family and mom and dad called you on the carpet, now kids, uh, this may happen to you, and you, you just say, you know, I blew it. I hope that they'll be merciful rather than throw the book at me. You ever been in that place? I would propose over, you go, I wonder if I'm going to be under law or if I'm going to be under grace. Is it going to be law or is it going to be mercy? If I have to choose one of the two, which one do I want to fall under? I want to fall under mercy. And so the scripture says, blessed are the merciful because they will be shown what? Mercy. When others transgress against you, as will happen in life, real and imagined transgressions come into our life. Some are actual and some are figments of our imagination of people wronging us. You've been there perhaps after you've learned the fullness of the context of the things that happen to realize, wait a minute, I didn't understand that context right. But I want to extend the mercy in that relationship rather than the law. Because if I do so, I one day will be shown what? Mercy. Do you have enough mercy in your life today? Oh, I want to be merciful, friends, because I know one day I'm going to be on the receiving end of that equation. How about you? If you have to choose between law and mercy, what will it be? I'd like to suggest to you today. In the Old Testament, God gave what? Ten Commandments? For those who are concrete thinkers, he said, here are the Ten Commandments to live by. Let me suggest, in the New Testament, he gave in this particular sermon the characteristics, which are more abstract than concrete. 
Understand the difference? I tell you to be merciful, it means a hundred different things to a hundred people. But it all means the same when we come to Jesus Christ, that within our hearts, he's extended to us the mercy, and out of us should flow mercy and grace and goodness to others. Have you been around people that are merciful? What would you rather be, around people that are, are quick to judge or those that are merciful? I'd rather be naturally around those who are merciful. How is it in your life? Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 gives us the illustration in the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our debts as what? We forgive our debtors. His mercy is extended to us. The characteristics of the fullness of a life in Christ. At the name of Jesus, we need an attitude of purity in our walk with Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. A pure, a righteous way of living. It's not, a, it's not up to us to decide how we are going to live, but it's up to us to decide if we are going to live in a righteous, pure way. Timothy says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, To the youth of the church today, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Everyone should be able to tell a Christian by the way they live their life. Do you believe that, friends? Do you believe that before you talk about Jesus, you should be living like Jesus? At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every life should be changed. At the name of Jesus, into every heart should flow pureness. Oh, that's a huge word, isn't it? It's a problematic word. Because pureness, uh, when I think of pureness, I think of perfection. Don't you? Ivory soap is 99 and 99.4% what? Pure. In Christ is absolute perfection, but in our lives is absolute corruption. But as we spend time with Jesus, we become changed. Those, that old man of sin, that old woman of sin, becomes lesser, less, less and lesser of an influence on our lives, and we draw closer and closer to Jesus. It's not our righteousness, but His righteousness as our lives be, uh, become changed in Christ. And only through Him do we find that power to change. Well, as we continue, Christ talks about peacemaking, uh, attitude. Uh, talked about Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. I once saw the poster in one of my churches, a smaller church. Someone had put up the poster. It said, Blessed are the pe- peacemakers, for they shall never be unemployed. <laughs> and I find that kind of interesting, the fact that it was posted in a church, don't you? I'm not sure what the member was trying to say, but I've, it's kind of ru- uh, stuck in my in my mind through the years. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. There is, when you come to Jesus, an attitude of peacemaking that comes upon the heart and the life. You know, some people in their life don't go looking for trouble, but trouble finds them. Oftentimes they find themselves in the midst of controversy inside the church, outside the church, on the job, 
And if there's, if there's nothing going on, they'll just create chaos when they come in the room. Have you been around them? Has it ever been you on a rare occasion? Sometimes. People kind of come in two types of people oftentimes, it's been suggested. Some are, thermos, uh, some are thermometers and some are thermostats. The thermometers kind of reflect the temperature of those around them. If they come into the room and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff going on, they just kind of take it on and they reflect the temperature of the room. If there's peace in the room, they become peaceful. If there's anxiety and hostility, they just kind of become anxious and hostile. Those are the thermometers. The thermostats come into the room and say, wait a minute. I need to change the temperature in this room. And I'm going to dial down this discussion, this conversation, and try to bring peace into this situation. Which would you rather be around? Somebody who just absorbs and becomes uh, conditioned by the situation or those who bring peace? Look at the world around us. We find nations acting in barbaric ways, upset about things that are wrong, and we would all agree are wrong. But there are ways of expression costing human life. We can't have different ideas. We can't have a healthful, a healthy, helpful way of expression. Nation, religion, talk about things. Peacemakers. Jesus said, as you go into the world, take on an attitude of peacemaking. Take on my attitude of bringing peace where there is anger and hostility. Share the role of peacemaker. Come learn about Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called called the sons and daughters of God. There are two more characteristics or attributes that Jesus talked about. Uh, The next one is, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for those are the kingdom of heaven. Want to be in the kingdom of heaven? Have no doubt, if you're living for Jesus, there will be persecution. Now, it doesn't say that all persecution is good. There is persecution that you bring upon yourself that is just, due, and righteous, friends, but it has absolutely nothing with living for Jesus. There are ways that you treat people that are just plain wrong. But it's not talking about that type of persecution here. When you are a Christian, you can anticipate persecution. Read it in the scriptures. Do you believe it? The world is at animosity with the things of God. The world has a way for your life and a life designed for you that has nothing to do with Jesus and righteous living. The closer you draw to God and the closer you draw to Jesus, the more you have your life centered in Jesus, the more angry the evil one becomes. And the more persecution you will find in your life. It works something like this. Don't go looking for trouble and persecution, for it will find you, friends, as you draw closer to Jesus. Have you seen it? Have you experienced it? Perhaps at work, perhaps among your friends, they say, I want nothing to do with you. You can take that church, you can have it. Your ways, you don't want to go to parties anymore. What's wrong with you? How is it you used to be the life of the party, and now you're just a stick In the mud when it comes to having fun in life. When your heart and life is centered in Jesus, there will come into your life trials and tests and persecution for righteous ways 
of living. Franklin Graham tells a story, the following story, of Samai Dagar, who had been a mater d in the eastern part of our world, in the famous Phoenicia Hotel in Beirut, before Lebanon's civil war broke out. Just before the war broke out, he left the hotel to plant a church in the smallest suburb of the city. When he approached the hotel manager to inform him he was resigning, the following dialogue occurred. God has called me to preach, Semai told the manager. I'm leaving the hotel. Leaving? You're a fool. You're crazy. A man in your position making good money and you quit? I leave for something more important than money. I'm going to preach the name of Jesus Christ. You're going to give up this good position to preach for some God? You must be crazy. No, I tell you the right thing to do. You stay here and make money, Sammy. I need you. No, I can no longer stay. I prayed to God, and this is what I must do. Then the hotel manager grew angry and shouted, I curse you. One day, Sammy, you will come to my door. You will be be at my threshold of my door and you will beg for a crust of bread and I won't give it to you. I will let you starve. Do you hear my words? Not a crust, not a crumb shall you receive from me. Quite some time later, during some of the heaviest fighting during World War since World War II, Sammy heard a knock on the door. It was late at night, so Sammy told his wife and children to stay in bed. He answered the door himself. In the darkness of the night, he recognized the figure standing before him as the hotel manager who he once worked for. I couldn't sleep, said the man. I wanted to see how you were doing and talk to you. Sammy made a cup of coffee, and they discussed the old days they enjoyed at the Phoenicia. Sammy sensed the man had come for another reason, but the man wouldn't say. Finally, Sammy said, my friend, it is late. Why have you come to me just now? Oh, nothing, said Sammy. I just wanted to talk of old times. The man walked toward the door and opened it as he stood in the doorway with his head hung low. He turned to Sammy and said, I have no food, friend. I've not eaten for two days. Do you have anything you could spare? He is no fool who follows God even if he is criticized. Sammy took the man into his house again and prepared him a meal and provided him with much food to carry him through the week. We need an attitude of endurance that allows us to be like Christ to those we face in life that will bring persecution to us. But we also need an attitude, the last attitude and characteristic that Christ teaches. 
is we need an attitude of faithfulness to Christ. Blessed are you when they shall revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you, and now they persecuted you, I would add. In the fullness of Christ, there will come the character of Christ. We started, friends, in Christ's description of what that fullness of life in Jesus looks like. All of those characteristics and all of those attributes, as they come into our lives, they leverage our life from where it was to where God wants it to be. But let's go back for just a moment to John chapter 14, verse 6. Because we started at the end. We started at the life in Christ. And just touch, as we go back across that passage, the life, what's in the middle? What's in the middle? The truth. And what's the next one? The way. Usually say the way, the truth, and what? The life. We've looked at it that way before. We're looking at the life, but the life we be, will be filled with truth. The scripture says, come now, let us what? Reason. Reason together. Just in 30 seconds or 40 seconds or less. Is everything that people bring to us truth? No. Truth must be reasonable. Do you believe that? Yes. Come now, let us reason together. If I come to you and I spin truth, and tell you enough truth to make it so complex, and this builds upon this, builds upon this, builds upon this, builds upon this, and pretty soon you are several steps away from what the Scripture says. Stay grounded in Christ. The truth is reasonable in Christ. Do you believe that, friends? If I tell you, if I drop a coin, which way will it go, down or up? (laughs) I saw one or two of your eyes going, okay, where is he going with this? That's a matter of perspective. If you're laying on your back, it's going to go one way. If you're, lay, if you're standing above it, it's going to go another way, correct? But we would all say reasonable people believe the truth that it indeed will go down. Reasonable people, when they read the clear teachings of Jesus, come to a consensus about the teachings of God and the character of God. Do you believe that, friends? If you have to build a truth, upon one item upon another and another and get it so removed from Christ that it has vague relationship with Jesus, you're probably on shaky ground. So we find the life, we find the truth, and the last way is we find Jesus being the way. How is it in your life? I don't know where you've been last week, friends. I walk on the path many days, and lots of times I feel very close to Jesus. There are days at the end of the day that I have to say, Lord, You were leading me down the path. You had opened before me many opportunities to be ministered to, to do ministry for, and I didn't realize that. And I've got to ask your forgiveness. But Jesus is good and gracious. For all, it's all in the name of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. How is it, friends, in the characteristics of your life in Christ? Would you like to draw nearer to him today? Let's pray. Father, as we spend time this morning 
listening to your son's words to us, listening to the life that he has described that awaits us as we open our hearts and our lives to him. Father, fill us with your spirit. Take our life, Father, transform it in ways that that we cannot transform it ourselves. Take our lives and show us pathways we don't even realize you want us to go down. Take our lives, Father, as we open our hearts to you. Make us teachable, make us pliable, make us merciful. Father, bless us that we might be more like Jesus. Do for us that which we cannot do for ourselves and give us his character. We ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. Gracious Father, as we go through this next week, each moment, Lord, the prayer of our hearts are that we might draw closer to Jesus. Bless us with your presence. Empower us by your Spirit. Live out your life through us, Father, as we seek to draw closer to your Son. We ask it through Jesus' precious name. Amen.